daily news, breaking updates, and exclusive podcasts. iTricks.com. Happy holidays and welcome to another Magic Week in Review from iTricks.com. Uh, we're back, and before we go on, I just want to say, I just want to warn everybody that uh, our guest has said he's having a little bit of internet problems. It has been pouring rain here at iTrix Tower Midwest, and uh, that typically doesn't cause me problems, but the last couple of good rainstorms, we have had people run into telephone poles in my neighborhood, and that does cause me internet problems. So if there's a little bit of a, a mechanical uh, Cylon-y sound here and there, just just roll with it. We'll be fine. All that being said, and that technical disclaimer aside, we are back, and I'm very excited to have this guest. Uh, we we had some of his video on not too long ago. Some of you might know him from his YouTube channel, and uh, let's just bring him right on. It's Max Major. Max, how are you? Hey, doing good. Great. Little fool from the Thanksgiving holiday. I like. <laughs> Over eight would be an under uh, understatement. That uh, that that is kind of the rule, isn't it? I mean, that's what you're supposed to do. I think so. I tried to be really good this year, and uh, I was sitting there at the dinner table, and my uh, girlfriend's father and brother they were going for like seconds and thirds. I had just made this one nice healthy plate, and I felt so good about my choice. And then I I think I had some food envy. What? I caved. Well, there's there's that, or there's the you know, there's the grandma who's like, you you haven't eaten what? Yeah, I are you was, sick? Yeah. I went back for guilt seconds, but thirds was definitely my own idea. Uh, okay, well there you go. Yeah, and then you realize, oh, there's pie. Yes, yes, <laughs> yes. Well, you know, um, you have uh, days to work that off before the uh, before before the other holidays hit. So. Yeah, I know, right? So I hope as soon as we get off, I hope you're on an exercise bike now. Yeah, I have a treadmill desk. There, there you go. That's what the thumping is. That, oh, that, uh, is that what it is? Uh, <laughs> wow, that went there real fast. Oh, <laughs> uh, uh, yeah. This, oh, uh, man. This could be like when I interviewed Justin Willman, that guy. Anyway. <laughs> oh, man. Um, so we, uh, we had a video years on iTricks not too long ago. Mm-hmm. And um, decided to, to give you a call because, I mean, let's just throw it straight out there. You are a successful guy who's performing all the time. Um, and unlike a lot of what people expect in the magic community a lot of times, um, you're doing a lot of corporate stuff. You're doing a lot of, of uh, I'm sure, trade shows, things like that. And, you know, I've been preaching to this uh, audience for a long time that, there's real money in them there hills. So is is that a fair thing to say that that's your your bread and butter is is the corporate world? Yeah, I mean, look, there's so many ways to earn a living as a as a magician, as a mentalist. Um, one of those ways is to produce content for magicians, to do lectures, workshops, DVDs, um, instructional content, you know, and performing. Um, you know, the other side of it is being a full time performer, and not that those two goals are at odds. It's just 
just a matter of focus, where you spend your time and energy. Um, and even, you know, along with being a full-time performer, you can perform for, uh, you know, elementary schools. You can do educational programs. You can work the college market. You can work the comedy circuit. You can work corporate events or weddings or bar mitzvahs. I mean, there's literally um, no end to how you can specialize. And so I've spent, I'm 32 years old. Um, I've spent the last, you know, 15 years of my life as a full-time performer. I know that sounds crazy, but it's literally the only job I've ever had. And so the majority of my business has been, you know, corporate events, um, conferences, uh, large banquets. Um, I do some MC work to go with that for companies like CSX and Facebook and Google. Um, and so, you know, so I'm out there earning my living working for companies um, who have sort of no ties to the magic industry. And so I, th- I think sometimes, you know, our ego would love for us to have name recognition among our peers. Um, but I'm just out there killing it, and I'm not too concerned about whether or not other magicians know my name. Yeah, in, in a way, it's the, it is the it is the polar opposite of the big content producers who every magician's going to know, and then no one else in the world is going to know. You know, that, that every now and then you'll meet somebody who's 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 a huge name, and, and you find out, you know, it's like, wow, they can barely look at um, you know, school shows sometimes. You know, one performer's great friend of mine, Oz Perlman, um, you know, he kind of uh, straddles both sides of it, you know, but if you re- took a really honest look at Oz's career, he's one of the busiest corporate entertainers in the world. Um, and so he has put out some content for magicians. He had a long run with Penguin Magic. So, you know, some folks knew his name there, but it's it's fair to say, you know, that you could be in the magic business and not have heard of a performer like him if they weren't putting out um, instructional materials. And so there are literally dozens of guys like that um you know who are earning um six or seven figures as a performer um who you may not have heard of um and that's just uh, a testament to sort of where they're spending their time and energy right and 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 then of course he went and ruined it all by going on america's got talent and now everybody knows who he is <laughs> yeah uh, i think fantastic decision for him and and obviously he did he did really well um so aside from my corporate stuff i actually have a uh, public theater show i've been putting on so self-producing public shows for about the last three years with a ton of success. Um, I've had just sold-out shows uh, week after week all across the country, and these are sort of you know venues ranging from uh, you know 150 seats to upwards of uh, uh, you know a thousand seats, um, depending on the city it's in. And so I am sort of getting my name out to the general public as well. But again, my my focus is performing and not necessarily, um, you know, producing content for magicians. You know, of course, I absolutely love magic. Um, You know, I grew up sort of as an old school uh, magician, going to magic shops, being part of the magic club, going to magic conventions, um, you know, dating myself a bit, but but learning magic from VHS tapes and having to go to a magic shop to to actually learn. You know, I was lucky enough to be... Uh, about 30 minutes away from Denny and Lee Magic Studio in Baltimore. Um, and so that's sort of the world of magic I grew up in. And, and so having a really, really strong com- sense of community and connection to fellow magicians and um, met very early on one of my best friends in the world and in the world of magic, Luke Dancy, um, who's uh, handling marketing over at Illusionist. And so um, I have just so much love for the magic community um, and, and for magicians in general. And of course, like any performer, I'm just the biggest magic fan. I mean, we, we do this because we love it. Exactly. You know, I've never been to, to Denny and Lee's. Um, oh my gosh. They, they are like, their ads were always so, uh, iconic. Remember those back yeah. magazine? Yes. Yeah, I, I think there were even a few unpublished uh, Denny and Lee Magic Studio ads that uh, really, just, there were just, things like, refused there... to print. 
Oh, okay, that makes more sense because I can't imagine, yeah. you know, the guy in the in the hula girl skirt going, you know, there's something I just won't do. Yeah, there was a, I think like the most controversial ad was there was a, a Santa Claus a Christmas ad where the a guy had his pants down like you could see his ass crack and he's sitting in front of a computer and it was like, is this what the dealer room of your magic shop looks like? Sort of like in the face of online, you know, magic retail. You know, the, the reality is, though, that uh, brick and mortar shops have been like devastated um, by Internet sales. Um, which is just simply a fact. No, no commentary on whether or not that's a good or bad thing. It's just a simple fact that um, that has changed the business model. It's affected a lot of shops. And so Denny is one of those few sort of classic magic shops left in the world where you can go and there's a guy behind the counter who you know, earned his living performing for 50 years uh, you know, who just has so much wisdom to share. Um, and so that's certainly a model that's disappearing. And so if you're lucky enough to live near a brick-and-mortar magic shop and have a, you know, a magic community where you live, um, that's a very special thing. And so if anyone's ever in the Maryland or D.C. area, absolutely have to check out uh, Denny and Lee Magic Studio. Amen. I mean, I'm in St. Louis, Missouri, and my magic shop of choice, I mean, what I, what I consider my magic shop is, uh, is, is the magic shop at U.S. Toy, which is in Leewood, Kansas just barely on the okay. other side of the Kansas City Missouri border. So, it's about um oh, I used to know exactly. It's it's about 3 hours and 45 minutes from my door to the door of the magic shop. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. I think that's the case for for a lot of people is that, you know, community in the magic world is uh, transitioned online, which is actually a fantastic thing for someone who lives in an area where there never was a magic shop. Um, but the sort of traditional dynamic of sort of magic clubs, magic meetings, magic conferences has faded a bit, um, and it's it's just evolved. Um, you know, I think a lot of times people say that, oh, you know, oh, Internet magic shops are killing the magic industry. Uh, you know, I think it's a load of uh, crap. I think magic as a hobby is as popular as it's ever been, if not exploded as a result of the Internet. Um, and so the dynamic has simply changed which is the case with everything. Look at the taxi industry and what Uber has done. Um, and so technology impacts every business. Magic is no exception. Um, you know, and of course, you know, we, could, we could get into a long conversation about you know, the way in which you learn magic. And, and I just think that um, you know, there's no right or wrong way. Whatever leads someone to becoming a performer um, is great. And however you encounter magic, the fact that you encountered it at all is a fantastic thing. Um, and I think we have some tools now that we, that we never had before. Yeah, I mean, you know, if you go back uh, a good 80 years or so, you can find a lot of the same, you know, angry letters printed in in the old, yeah. you know, in the old magic magazines uh, complaining about pulp magazines, newspaper articles, and uh, movie serials, you know? So, yeah, or when DVDs came out uh, or VHS tapes came out, you know, and then you no longer had to read a book. You could watch it in a video. You know, the truth is that people learn in different ways. Some people learn better with the written word or pictures, um, you know. So, yeah, the more tools, the better. I'm all for it. But, of course, if you have a brick-and-mortar shop in your neighborhood, support it. Go there, definitely, because because the sound yeah. works great. Now, all that being said, what was it that first drug you into Denny and Lee's? What 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 was it that hooked you? So I had, um, I guess, you know, seen a magic shop in the mall, gotten a trick, a uh, book from the library. I didn't know that there was a community for magicians or of magicians. I just thought, you know, there was, you know, I just was learning this sort of hidden sort of art or something. Um, I met a magician 
uh, at my high school. He was a senior. I was a freshman. And he told me about Denny and Lee. And uh, we like went there that weekend. And so uh, another magician actually drove me there. And that was my introduction to that world. And, you know, Denny had a tremendous impact on my career. You know, when, when I walked into the magic shop the first day, he pushed me to actually create a show. So, you know, unlike, um, you know, buying a trick online or walking into a magic shop in a tourist destination, his message from day one was build a show and perform, uh, not simply learn a trick and, and show it to your friends. And so I was uh, very fortunate to have found kind of a mentor who pushed me in the direction of performance. And so I began, um, you know, I guess when I was 12 or 13 years old, I put a show together and, and where I really started was with performing at kids' birthday parties. And I, I did that for, gosh, all the way through college probably. So from you know 12 years old to, to 21 years old, I was, I was performing at kids' birthday parties, obviously at the same time sort of uh, you know, starting to book other events and, and raising the level of my own career. But that was, I mean, that was where I learned to be a performer, was performing in front of kids every weekend, you know, six, seven, eight-year-old kids, and doing my show. And, and I never did a kid's show. I never did, like, goofy magic. I just did kick-ass magic, you know, and I, I realized that you could do the same show for kids as you do for adults. Your delivery might change a little bit, but I, I never had the need to be uh, goofy or silly. I just did really great magic for, you know, eight, nine, ten-year-olds, and they loved it. Um, and so that's where I learned to become a performer. Um, and it was working as often as possible was my goal. That was something Denny sort of hammered into me was perform every chance you get. You know, I have a lot of um, friends and, and young magicians who I, I try to mentor and help. And, and one of the questions they always ask is, is how to become a full-time performer. And I say, work. Like, that's it. And, and I think oftentimes there's some ego attached to the kind of shows in which you'll perform. Um, I have guys who say, well, you know, I don't want to perform at kids' birthday parties. I don't want to be a kid's magician. But guess what? You know, some of the biggest corporate events I had early in my career were a result of a parent who was there watching the show who was blown away by what I did because, again, I didn't play down the kids. And so I would actually encourage the parents, hey, you know what? Stick around. Don't go have wine in the kitchen. I'm going to do some stuff for you as well as the kids. I'm going to mix it up. You guys are going to enjoy this. You know, and that was sort of my gateway into performing and also led to sort of larger scale bookings. And so my advice is always to perform as much as possible, as often as possible in any setting. You know, I performed at like a used car lot for an enterprise rent-a-car. So like you could buy the cars that people drove like they stole right, it when right. they rented them right. after they had been rented for like 10 years. And so they would sell these just abused rental cars and people would come to, to buy these things at, at pennies on the dollar. And so, you know, I, I'd perform anywhere with, with sort of any, any chance I had to be in front of an audience, I thought was a chance to grow as a performer. And you never know who you're going to meet. You never know who the parent of that nine-year-old kid is um, and where that might lead. And so um, that was really, for me, where it all started was Denny and Lee. He encouraged me to put a birthday act together. And uh, that was, you know, over 15 years ago. And from there, you know, I've scaled it to doing, you know, conferences with, with 10,000 people in the audience or doing, you know, sold out theater shows. I just got done a, a weekend in, in Philly at the Franklin Institute um, doing a show at a venue there. Um, sold out, uh, you know, four shows in a row. And so it, every show I've ever done has made me a better performer, whether it was for, um, you know, a seven year old's birthday or for, um, you know, some, uh, high end social event in Washington, DC.
So have you have you always since you really were were introduced to the idea of doing a show? Have you always wanted to be a full time professional magician? Um, was there anything else tugging yeah. at you? No, this is the only thing I've ever wanted to do. I mean, I when I I did my first paid show when I was fourteen years old. Uh, it was for a neighbor's six year old daughter's birthday. I got paid forty five dollars. And I did a, a 45 minute show. I thought that was pretty cool. I got a dollar a minute. And um, I, I did like every trick I knew. Um, I think the show ended up going like 90 minutes. And it wasn't like 90 minutes with talking, it was like every trick rapid fire with no patter that I knew. And, um, and, I, was, and I was hooked. I mean, I, I absolutely love performing. And so it's the only job I ever wanted to have. Um, you know, obviously, um, you know, you do things along the way to pay bills. Um, but I've never had a traditional job. Um, I went to the University of Maryland to uh, study business. I graduated in 2005 um, because I knew that if I wanted to be a performer full-time that I should probably learn how to run a business because the reality is um, that while being a great performer is important, if you want to work, you need to know how to market yourself. And so I think a lot of people think that having a great act is enough, that if you're a great musician or you're a great artist or great painter or a great performer, that you will work. And the reality is the two have nothing to do with themselves. There are plenty of people who have terrible acts that work every weekend, and there are plenty of people with great acts who never work. And so I saw business school as a way to learn the skill set that I would need to be able to do this the rest of my life, you know, to, to treat it like a business. And so, yes, you absolutely should work on your act and you need it's like, you know, that's that's a given. You better have a good act and you better be a great performer. But that's not enough. You you also need to know how to, to market and to sell yourself and to network and to handle your finances. And so um, that's the path that I chose. And so during college and I worked as a generally I worked like bar jobs. I was a bartender. Um, I was a, a bouncer in a nightclub. I worked the door at a nightclub because that was after 10 p.m. That stuff generally started. And so it didn't in any way conflict with my performing career. So I could have a gig and then I could go and then work at the bar at night um, and you know get paid in cash. And if I didn't have the level of gigs I needed in a month, I had a consistent income to sort of pay my rent um, while I was trying to get my performing career to the level at which I could kind of make that leap and, into being just a full-time performer. Okay, well, that totally stole my next question, which was, <laughs> what what did you study in college? Um, because and, and it's good to hear yeah. you say all that. I mean, we've we've had a few people preach this. Uh, one of whom was uh, Reza, the uh, the illusionist who who tours through the the Midwest. He's out of Branson now. Who uh, uh -huh. was very much preaching this and told us how he bought his first tour bus about three years before he was old enough to drive. That's how <laughs> that's how focused he was on everything. So so uh, again, going to the business now. Talking about then, uh, Max Major Incorporated for for lack of a better term. Um, are you now pretty much? Are you a slim operation, or or do you do you have you know a uh, uh, a small cadre of employees? How does how is that working now? Yeah, I have a team. Yeah, I have a team. I have a full-time assistant. Um, his name is Mark. Uh, I think that's who you got in touch with um, to set up this podcast. And he helps me handle the administrative side of my business. And so all the things that aren't performing, um, so responding to inquiries, qualifying leads, following up on invoices that aren't paid, um, you know, helping me on-site at events, um, getting merchandise shipped out, 
um, you know, scheduling my email newsletters. I, I mean, the, the reality is, as a performer, that you will spend most of your time doing things off stage. And so, in a perfect world, I would only perform. But like seventy to eighty percent of my job is the stuff that gets me the work. And so, it's marketing and sales and those kinds of things. And so, um, I had a, a part-time assistant for uh, probably the last uh, three or four years. Um, just trying to like unburden me from some of that workload. And then um, Mark started working with me. I think it's been about six months now. And before him, I had another full-time assistant. So that's been uh, a tremendous help for me to be able to scale my business because, you know, as one person handling all of the bookings and all of the logistics and scheduling flights and doing the accounting and performing, you know, I am still fully engaged in my own business, but having support and someone else who can help has been, that actually is what really helped take me to my career to the next level. Um, I also have uh, a PR firm I work with. I have um, two full-time video editors. I have a, a daily vlog on YouTube. Um, and so they're actually editing all the, the videos that go up online. And then I have a, a handful of what I would call uh, partners. You know, these are people that you call on. They're like your dedicated person for X, Y, or Z. So your accountant, um, your graphic design guy, that's super reliable. Instead of looking for a different person each time, you have your like, go-to web guy. Um, you know, so uh, full-time, I have uh, two video editors and an assistant. I have the support of a PR firm that I've engaged. Um, you know, then I have a handful of vendors that are like my trusted vendors and then I have a, a, a great magician by the name of Derek Jasper, who's um, sort of my stage manager, who helps me with all my public and, and touring shows, doing the setup and breakdown and all the behind-the-scenes stuff. Um, and so, you know, that was actually one of the biggest challenges for me was sort of letting go and allowing other people to help. Um, you know, I've sort of always been wired as an entrepreneur. Um, I, I had like all these different businesses I tried to start in college and after college. Um, because in many ways I'm as passionate about business as I am about magic. And so part of the appeal to me of being a magician is actually the building of the business. And, and I would say for the longest time, I was sort of equally passionate about both. Um, and one of the biggest challenges when you're an entrepreneur is sort of letting go and allowing other people to help because you really, you can't do everything yourself. And I think that's, that's one of the things that, that holds a lot of people back is, is oftentimes trying to, trying to do everything yourself. Amen to that. I, man, I cannot agree. With it's very more. hard. I'm still, I'm still working on it. It's very hard, Michael. You know, I'm, I'm, I, I am so demanding and I have such sort of high expectations that, um, it makes it very hard for me to sort of turn something fully over to someone else and not take control of it back or not micromanage or not pester and, and trust in someone else um, because I just I have such high expectations and in, in, in the quality of the work that I know that I would do isn't necessarily always going to be the job that someone else will do. But you also can't expect other people to work at the level you do because it's not their business. In other words, if they cared as much as you did, they would probably start their own company. You know, if they were as passionate about performing as you were, they would probably be a performer. And so you can never, I, I think it was a very hard realization for me that you, you can never expect someone to be as a passionate and as excited and as enthusiastic and have the level of worth that work ethic that you display when it's your own business because it's not their business. That's, that's unfair to think that someone else would want to put in 14 or 16 hours a day and the fact that they, they don't show that level of desire um, uh, you know, I used to think was sort of indicative of, of their work ethic, but the reality is 
that's that's something that I do because it's what I love and because it's I'm incentivized. I mean, it's my own it's my own business, it's my own career. Um, but I, you know, I still at some level am still pretty demanding of the people I work with. Okay, now believe it or not, we've already blown well through the halfway mark, so we're going to take a quick break. And uh, when we get back, when we come back with Max, we're going to talk about what we could expect to see in a Max Major show. So stay tuned. We'll be right back. iTricks.com. This is Michael reminding you once again to support your local no-kill animal shelter. My own family has had a rescue uh, part chihuahua, part miniature pincher maybe for years named Paco, the uh, microphone-shy chihuahua mix. But even though he disappointed us last year by not barking into the microphone, he is still a beloved part of our family. And uh, you can find a friend like that or help other families find uh, their new members at your local no-kill animal shelter. And let's see if this year we can get Paco to bark for us. Paco, Paco, you want to bark? Tell everybody to support their animal shelter. There you go. Paco and Michael say support your local no-kill animal shelter. Now back to the Magic Week in Review. And we're back. Thanks for not changing the podcast dial. Uh, we're here with with Max Major still, and he has been saying a lot of things that, you know, we've heard here and there, if you listen to the podcast all the time, about the importance of looking at the business of your magic career um, and not ignoring that and remembering that, that it is a business. People, you know, money is changing hands, and you have a responsibility to your customer and to yourself to take a real responsibility to not only provide the best product, but to be able to take care of your financial house as well. Uh, so we've been hearing a lot of good things. Um, this might be a, a, an odd question for a guy who has, has uh, professed he's never really had a real job, I think was the phrase you used. But yeah. uh, somebody, we have a lot of listeners who are out there. A lot of them are younger you know, looking, trying to figure out their career, trying to figure out, you know, do I want to go to college? Do I want to, you know, study acting or business or, or what? Uh, a lot of other people who, who are just looking to make that jump into full-time performing. Uh, what kind of uh, advice do you have for these guys and gals? Very important, I the gals. Th- I think my advice is, yeah, I think my advice is the same. Um, no matter where you are in your performing career, whether you are trying to start booking your first couple of shows, or if you're working a bit and you're trying to leave your current job and, and transition fully, my advice would be the same, and that would be to perform as often as possible. Like, get to work. Like, it's great to practice, it's great to study, but get to work. And and I know it's kind of a black box, like how in the world do you get booked to do a show, but the, the truth is it's putting yourself out there. And so... Um, in the beginning, maybe that means volunteering. Like I, I've heard so many magicians say you shouldn't work for free because that means you're worth nothing. Are you kidding me? If Bill Gates called me tomorrow and said that he wanted to put me in front of all of the world leaders, but they didn't have a budget for the event, I would be there on my own dollar, right? Like if I could perform for a room of the most powerful people in the world, why would I not take that? Does that mean my value is zero? No. And so maybe the criteria shifts over time to what you will do for free um, and maybe the, the, the sort of level of, of performances you'll do shifts over time. But, but man, like volunteering to perform is one of the greatest things you can do 
for your career. And so if it's a local fair and they have a stage and you've never had a real show before and you have an opportunity to get up on in front of a stage in front of 200 people and number one, have 200 people learn about what you do and potentially hire you, but really number two, to just get some stage time, then you should jump at the opportunity. And so that would be my first piece of advice is to turn your ego off and be willing to do to do shows for free. Now, certainly later in your career, you can be more selective about the kinds of things that you do. But my gosh, if if uh, if you're not working and uh, you want to get more experience in front of real audiences, I mean, that's where you start. Offer to do it for free. Um, you know, the next level from there is is number one to get the most out of it when you do a free show and so if they have a photographer there require that they give you those photos if they have a videographer require that you get that if they have um, a press department ask that they set up an interview for you I mean you can certainly leverage to get more out of it but in the beginning I think stage time is more important than anything so so that's sort of the first piece of it is perform as awesome often as possible and perform for every event uh, one of the things Danny used to tell me growing up was uh, you always say yes. So like if someone asks you, you know, do you do this? Yes. Can you do this? Yes. And if you don't know how to do it, book the show and then figure it out. Like learn how to do it. Um, And so I was never um, very critical of the type of work that I would get early on. I I took every chance I got. Um, I mentioned that the used car a lot. Um, So that's number one. The second piece of it is to get out from behind your computer. Um, You know, I think social media is incredibly powerful. It is a huge piece of my business model um, and is one of the most powerful pieces of my business model. However, there is no substitute for getting out into the real world and networking with human beings. So, so actually going to an event where there are business owners or maybe even people in the special events industry and actually passing out your card and making real world connections, which you then can leverage into sort of social media relationships, but actually meeting people in real life. If, if you um, live near near any major city, which all of us live near a major city, um, there are networking groups, both general networking, so just the Chamber of Commerce business kind of events. Um, You'll find that those are helpful, um, but what will be more helpful are industry-specific events. And so anything to do with the special events industry, look up groups like ISIS, I-S-E-S, International Special Events Society, NACE, National Association of uh, Catering Executives, uh, professional meeting planners association, SESMA. I mean, there, there are some national organizations that have chapters in each city, but then there are also sort of locally specific groups. Um, and so if you know, if you live anywhere within an hour and a half of a big city, there will be something in that city every night. You can network every night and you go to these events and you talk to people about their business. Don't go in and try to sell what you do. Find out what they do. Um, ask more questions. Then you, the, One of the things you'll find when you go to a networking event is that you're the most comfortable person in the room. Because you're a performer, you're probably more comfortable talking to strangers than everyone else there. And so I always found that I was like the most interesting person in the room because I was so outgoing and I'd be connecting other people and I didn't spend any time sort of selling myself. I just spent time getting to know what other people did, trying to make relationships happen for them. And then naturally they would sort of ask, well, what do you do? And when you answer mentalist, um, you know, they're, they're going to naturally ask you to perform something. And so I wouldn't be pushing my tricks on people. I would have a deep conversation about what they do first. Naturally, they'd turn that back around on me. And then eventually I would perform something. And then suddenly there's this buzz. Oh, wow, there's this magician over here. Um, and you're giving your cards out. You're showing what you do. And every business owner has the opportunity to hire you. But especially at the industry-specific events, uh, you're going to be meeting event planners, 
um, in agencies and bookers and wedding planners and networking with other vendors like DJs and photographers who will be a, a wealth of business for you. And so real world networking is the backbone of my business and, and, and it has been my entire life. Nice. Now, uh, one thing, this is just because I had somebody tell me this the other day. I asked for a business card. They said, I don't have a business card. I have a website. And it blew yeah, that's great. me away. Blew me away. Now it wasn't in magic. It was it was it was in uh a, yeah. a different kind of business, but it still it was a uh it was a home service business. It, it was a it was a it was somebody who does you know, contracting. Yeah. And it's like how can you not I mean you, to me the only have excuse for not yeah. having a business card is then you better have pens or pencils with your name number and website printed on them. Yeah. I'm not gonna remember what it is. I don't care how yeah. many trucks you put it on. I, yeah, I think sometimes that's an excuse somebody gives when they don't have their card on them. I mean, there's certainly, you know, I've certainly left the house and just forgot, and, and I'm honest about it. And in that situation, the number one thing you can do is pull out your smartphone and say, you know what, I forgot my cards, but let me email you right now. And so literally on the spot, you open your Gmail, you type in their email address that they give you or from their card, and you email them while they're standing in front of you. Hey, Michael, it's Max. We're talking right now. Let's stay in touch. Um, and that's, that's more powerful than a business card in many cases. But, but business cards, too, are oftentimes overrated because you can give out your card to every person in the room. Chances are you will not hear from one of them. And what's actually more pow powerful is the thing that a lot of performers forget to do, which is to ask for their card. And so anytime someone asks you for your card, you should be reciprocating by getting their card because it's... If you email them, you can only control what your own actions. And so if you get everyone's card in the room, you have the ability to start a conversation with each of them. If you only give out your card, you can't guarantee that you're going to hear from them. And so most of the time, it's far more impactful to request their card and to then follow up. Um, so you mentioned you had an event coming up in December. It was great to meet you. Um, and so that, that oftentimes, um, is a better guarantee that you'll build that relationship than, than giving out your own card is asking for their card. Are you a Dale Carnegie guy by any chance? No, I've never read any Dale Carnegie really? stuff. Um, you, but, uh, yeah, you, you should, you know, Dale, maybe, Carnegie... maybe some of my, mentors have i'm not yeah, sure maybe I that's mean, where it comes from 60 70 years ago he was you, you you always get other people's business cards and he was a bit you know and and, and it's not in how to win friends and influence people necessarily but in his, some of his other stuff was i mean he was saying back when it was going to cost you you know time stationary and a stamp mail yeah all these people yeah, yeah. these business cards and say you can it get was great you to can meet get you business cards for free these days. right yeah and and the yeah. email is free you know like, here's Here's a real-world example. Um, I was performing at a uh, film festival in Virginia, just outside of D.C. Uh, I met the chief marketing officer of Coca-Cola, okay? He loved what I did. I gave him my card. I could have walked away and ended that interaction right there. And chances are 99.9% .9 I never would have heard from him again. He would have forgot we ever met. Maybe he'd find my card in his pocket and forget who I was. Um, but as soon as I realized who he was, I asked for his card, right? Which, I mean, now I have direct access and permission to reach out to, you know, one of the most influential sort of business leaders in the country. Um, and, and I followed up with an email. 
which led to one conference, which is now leading to some work. And so um, very real example right there. Had I not um, sort of had this rule uh, to ask for his card, chances are we, we never would have talked again. And I, and I think in most cases, is um, handing out your card after performing at a table or for a group when you're doing strolling is kind of an empty gesture. You should be doing it. However, it is far more impactful to to ask for their card. Definitely. Now, um, let's stray away from business for a second. What? Yeah. What if if we go see whether it's a trade show or something? However, we're going to see you. What what can we expect from Max Major? Are you uh you got uh two railroad cars full of boxes and three, four pretty dancers behind you. What's going on? (laughs) Yeah. So uh, I'm a mentalist uh, first and foremost. Um, It's a one man show. So, uh, you know, no dancing girls. Um, I guess, uh, well, Derek, Derek, maybe Derek dances sometimes, but, uh, but no, no backup dancers, no large scale illusions. Um, It is a a 90 minute uh, full scale, Gale Theater production, so we have a, a set that we bring in and full, you know, light and sounds. Whoa, my headphones just electrocuted me. Did you hear that? Uh, there was there was a little bit Are of a, a noise, but you're still here, yeah. It's crazy. Do you I have superpowers zapped, now? Like, phys- physically, z- I think I can actually read minds now. <laughs> nice. <laughs> um, and so it's... Uh, it's uh, it's just a one man show. It's the scale of like a you know a stand up comic. It's a guy on stage you know using his words to entertain people. And being a mentalist, I don't have a whole lot of props. Um, and so uh, yeah, you know the standard fare predictions and suggestion and uh, a little bit of light hypnosis. Um, but it's a it's a pretty straight show. I'm not a I'm not a, like a comic act. I might say funny things or get laughs, but um, it's a pretty straight pretty straight show. Um, and, uh, yeah, that's, uh, more or less, that's the best, best, uh, insight I can give. Okay. You, you know, our, our last podcast was with, uh, Eric Dittleman, um, yeah. who, AGT alum, uh, performs, uh, a lot of college stuff, similar, sim- sounds like it's probably a similar act. Uh, and one of the things he was, he, he talked a, a lot about was how he branded himself a mind reader as opposed to a mentalist. Yeah. Now you seem like a guy who, who thinks a little okay. bit about his marketing. So here's, here's the thing. You have to have a way to talk about yourself. Okay. So like labels suck because they sort of pigeonhole you, but you have to have a conversation about what it is that you do. And so, yes, I've made a very conscious choice to call myself a, a mentalist, not a magician. Although what does that really mean? Right. Um, you know, I do a costume change my show, but I'm a mentalist. Um, but, but you have to have a way to talk about what it is that you do. Um, you know, I, I really try to brand myself as Max Major. No title, just Max Major. My show is Max Major's Think Again. We talk about the topics that I explore when I'm marketing my public show. But I try to avoid labels, mentalist, magician, hypnotist, and those kind of things. When having a conversation, when on the phone with a client, when at a networking event, you have to have a way to talk about what it is that you do. Um, and so the semantics of mind reader versus mentalist Um, you know, I guess I chose the term mentalist because it's sort of all encompassing. Um, it's a little more mainstream these days. Um, you know, uh, thanks to guys like Oz Perlman who have done some AGT stuff. Um, so yeah, you know, you need to have a way to talk about what it is that you do, but I, I actually firmly believe that, uh, you know, I, I've chosen to brand myself as Max Major, not mentalist Max Major, not magician Max Major, just I want people to know me for my name as a performer, and so you come and see my show. and And I, I don't know that a lot of people could leave 
I don't, they're definitely not going to call it a magic show. Um, you know, they might say, oh, it was mind reading, it was hypnosis, but it's a theater show first and foremost. Um, but yeah, I, I try not to get too hung up on labels and I try to use them um, as little as possible because I think it, um, it, it just sort of pigeonholes you in a lot of way. And, and I think there's some precon- preconceptions that come with labels that oftentimes can prevent you from getting work. Um, so, you know, people are in a meeting and uh, they're brainstorming ideas for their banquet and somebody says, oh, how about a magician? And at face value, if I'm in that meeting, I'm going to squash that idea. Like, I've seen enough magic acts to say, well, maybe we don't want a magician. Um, And so, um, you know, that's one of the sort of pitfalls of having a label is that, you know, people might have a vision in their head of what that looks like. And so I've always firmly believed that sort of like you're only competing with yourself. I I market myself very specifically as here I am, here's who I am and what I do, and I'm not competing with anyone else. Like, if you want a magician – um, I'm probably not the right guy. And so, um, you know, generally when I'm getting booked, it's because they want Max Major, not because they want a magician, if oh, that makes sense. Yeah, it does make sense. And I just want to be clear. I'm not trying to start a fight between you and Diddleman or anything like that. I just you're obviously a guy who, who puts a lot of thought into the marketing, the business side. And, and I figured, you know, it would be fair to hear your thoughts on it. Yeah, I I don't know what his opinion on it is. I didn't hear that interview. Um, I'm just saying for me, I – okay. So I really truly don't believe there's such thing as competition. Like I, I think this is like such an important thing for people to think about as a performer is that there is no competition. You are not competing against other magicians. You are not competing against other performers. You are only doing the best that you can possibly do and you're getting booked on your, your own merit, or you're not. People aren't choosing between myself and another performer. They like me, and they want to work with me, but they don't, period. And I don't think anyone else will ever prevent you from accomplishing whatever it is that you want to accomplish as a magician or as a performer. And I think a lot of times people get hung up worrying about what other people are charging or how they're branding themselves. And I, I think even in like the most competitive business, like I preach this all the time at networking events, like if you're a photographer or like a DJ, which is like the number one commodity in the event business, is that I still truly believe there is no competition. Like you are not competing with other DJs. You put out the best work that you possibly can. You form your own relationships and people either want to hire you or they don't. It's not you or him or you or the other guy. Um, and I think that that like mindset, it puts you in a very different space when you're selling yourself and when you're marketing what it is that you do is just no longer be concerned about what other people are doing. Put on the best show you can possibly put on. Um, build your own relationships. And, and I think you'll go so much further rather than you know, trying to worry about what other performers are doing or what they're charging. Um, you, you know, and, and, in, and in many ways, that also prevents you from becoming a commodity because you don't have to compete on price. You're, you're simply, here's who I am and here's what I do and here's what I charge. Um, kind of take it or leave it. Nice. Now, we are coming to the end of the podcast. We're probably running over the, the 30 minutes. And, and in a way, I really feel like we've kind of done you a disservice because what we've done here is <laughs> kind of present the Max Major, you know, magic business lecture, which I think is great for the audience. Hey, but look, you- I'm not here to talk about myself. I'm here because I love magicians. And if what I've said has helped anyone in any way, that's fantastic. You know, I, all that I could ask for is for one person who listens to this to quit their day job and become a full-time magician. And if that happens, I could care less if no one signs up for my YouTube channel uh, or anything else. But we can talk about that stuff. Yeah, but speaking of that YouTube channel, <laughs> what, what is it? What's your website? Are, are there public shows we're going to be able to catch you at? And uh, do you lecture on this? Because maybe you should. 
Uh, I don't, um, but I do have a daily vlog on YouTube. I put out one new video every day. I've been doing this for 147 days. Um, they're not traditional magic videos like here's a new trick. Uh, it's a vlog, and so it's my sort of work journal. It's the challenges I'm facing. I chronicle all my successes and failures, and so my attempts to sell out a theater. I rent a theater. I call myself out on camera. The show's in two months, and then two months later, you see whether the show sold out or not, and you actually can learn a lot about business because you'll see exactly what I'm doing to promote the show. And so in the case of the show I just did at the Franklin Institute, if you go back 14 episodes, you can see exactly what I did every day for the last two weeks to sell out you know, four shows at a, at a museum in Philadelphia. And at the same time, I also do sometimes post-performance videos, live TV appearances, um, and, uh, and yeah, so the, the YouTube channel is the best way to, uh, keep up with me and even learn a little, little bit about business, but also I just think they're, they're entertaining. Um, and then I, I have a live show that I, uh, tour with and if uh, people are interested, they can go to maxmajor.net and sort of the, the tour dates are all up there. Um, you know, but the truth is I, I really wanted to do this today because, um, you know, I love magic and I love magicians and it's a, a community that's given me so much. And so if anyone listening to this has questions about business or about magic, my personal email is max at maxmajor.net. And every person listening, you know, has the opportunity to reach out to me directly and I, I will take the time to write you back. Um, and so, yeah, I, I hope uh, what we've covered has been helpful today. Wow, that, that is a very generous offer on your part. Uh, thank you so much for being on. It was, it was a lot of fun to have you on. I think, I think it was uh, a, lot, a lot of use for a lot of people out there, too. I hope it was. I hope people were listening. Yeah, get to work. That's my message, honestly, is, is get to work. Put the book down and close your laptop and, and get to work. And I, I think uh, uh, it'll happen. It's not a complicated thing. It's, it's really not. Being a full-time magician is, is not complicated. Um, it, just, it just takes time. Okay. And one last question to yep. sew it all up. For yep. the guy who's sitting out there, who's ready to close the laptop, turn off the iPod, whatever, get to work, um, he, he has a repertoire. Maybe he, he already or she already has a show uh, that, that they have a little bit of confidence in. They have just a little bit of money set aside mm -hmm. uh, to put into the show, mm -hmm. to put into their career. What's the next step? Besides, obviously, just going out there and performing, which, which we have, yeah. have, have heard. What, yeah. where, where, where do you go next? A networking event. Uh, it's the one thing I don't hear any magicians talking about, maybe because it works so well for them, they're keeping it a secret. But uh, go to a networking event. Go to one every night if you can. Uh, like literally stop listening to this podcast, search networking events, my city, whatever your city is, pick the first one that comes up and go to it. Um, and uh, that's where it starts. It starts with building relationships with real people. Great advice. Max, thank you so much for being on today. Hey, I uh, had a great time. Thanks, Michael. Oh, it was, it, it was a blast. Uh, and everybody out there, all you iTricksters, if you haven't turned off your computer already and you're still listening, uh, thanks for sitting down with us. Until next time, for everything going on in the world of magic, visit iTricks.com.